Job chapter 14, let's read one verse, verse 14. If a man die, shall he live again? All the days of my appointed time will I wait till my change come. Father, bless now the reading of your word. I pray that you would be pleased to fill us with the power of your Holy Spirit. Give us liberty, clarity of thought. Lord, most of all, may you be glorified. We'll thank you in Jesus' name and amen. You may be seated. Job makes this statement, if a man dies, shall he live again? All the days of my appointed time will I wait till my change come. I want to preach for a little bit this morning on between here and there. Think about this uh, by way of introduction. We notice a puzzling question. If a man dies, shall he live again? Of course, you and I that are sitting here today, at least the vast majority of us know, of course, uh, that we will. It's appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment. We understand the Bible tells us that we are eternal creatures. We're going to spend eternity, as our brother said in Sunday school, in one of two places, either in heaven or hell. But thank God there is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. But it's a question that many have asked. I've talked to people before and asked them where they would go when they die. And some would say, well, I guess in the ground, I guess, uh, you know, it's over after that. Well, the Bible makes it clear. That's not the end of it all. But then notice not only the puzzling question, the progression of time. He said, all the days of my appointed time. Now, I don't know how long I get to be on planet earth. I just want to live as long as God intends for me to live. This is a little side thought. I'm not uh, preaching about it this morning, but can I say to you, God has a plan for your life and God knows what he wants to do with your life. And, and sometimes we'll run into situations where somebody's thinking about or even we'll hear about somebody who's taken their own life. Can I tell you, that's not God's plan for your life. When you take your own life, you're superimposing human will over divine will. God has a plan for your life. And can I just say this, that if you're thinking about it today and the devil's telling you everybody would be better off without you, he is a liar. Those that love you and those that know you will spend the rest of their life wondering what they could have done to change that situation. So if you're thinking about it, get that out of your mind. God has greater things. Today may be discouraging, but I'm telling you, there's a better day coming. Don't you dare think about that. Anyway, we see the progression of time. You see, the significance of life is that it is a gift from God. Man, what a joy it is to know that God who created this entire world and has occupied it through the years with multitudes of people. Now they claim over 7 billion people on planet earth. And, and you know, someone says, well, how do you know? Well, I'm just going by what they say. It's sort of like when I'd had my 10th anniversary at Victory Baptist Church, our youngest son, Blaine, was just getting to where he's reading pretty good. And someone had decorated my office door and it said, happy 10th anniversary to the greatest pastor in the world. Blaine came walking in, read the sign on my door. He stepped back and he said, happy anniversary to the greatest pastor in the world. He said, are they sure? <laughs> I said, son, that, that's just how they feel. It. No, no, dad, I'm not saying you're not the greatest pastor in the world, but how would they know? Have they met every pastor? <laughs> Have they heard every pastor? How do they know you're the greatest pastor in the world? I said, tear the sign up. It's over, man. I'm telling you. Well, you know, I don't know exactly, but I do believe statistically that there are billions of people on planet earth. And yet what excites me is God is interested in every man, every woman, every boy and every girl. I can't keep track of them, but aren't you glad he can? And he sent his son to die for every single one of them. Those who have lived, those who are living, those who will live. Listen, the, uh, the uh, significance of life, there's an appointed time, the seriousness of of life. It's a gift from God. But then the shortness of life. 
The, the Bible said in Psalms 90 and verse 12, so teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts to wisdom. You see, the truth of the matter is I don't know how long I have. So what I have, I need to apply my heart to wisdom. When I say life is serious, I don't mean that you can't enjoy life. I, I like to laugh. I was preaching in church one time. I was 16 and preaching revival. And, and I said a couple of humorous things and the people laughed. After church, a lady came up to me and said, I don't appreciate you laughing in church. I said, dear lady, I'm a preacher's kid and a preacher. If I don't laugh in church, I don't get to laugh. That's all I do is go to church. I go to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, revival meeting. I go to the men's meeting. And if my dad could make me, I'd go to the women's meeting. So please let me enjoy my Christianity. And I'm not talking about mockery kind of laughter, but the Bible said a merry heart doeth good like medicine. And she really needed a dose. But anyway, so... But life is short in the st and because of that, we need to think about it. We can't just squander it and throw it away. We need to be busy about our Father's business, those of us that are saved. And if you're not saved, you need to think about that today. Life is too short to put it off. And so we think about this in Job's life. Job is an amazing man in the Bible. You know, and I think quite often we look at the trial that Job went through and we really miss uh, even some other things about his life. But notice this, if you would, there were many great days in Job's life. We, we get introduced in chapter one and all of a sudden we're going to hear about the trial that he's going through, but that's not where his life began. Now, that's what God used to really help us and to understand some things. And preacher, I believe we get to know about what Job went through in a way that he never understood. That's true. I think he went to heaven. I think that without a doubt, there were things that maybe God satisfied his heart with, but he may not have known all the answers. There are things that have happened in my life. I don't fully know the answer, but I know this, God makes no mistakes. I know that I can trust him. And sometimes he's working behind the scenes. And sometimes we see the evidence of that, but we don't always see that. I had a sister that was killed in a car wreck in 1977 right after Miss Graham and I got married. And I know my sister's in heaven, but I don't know all the reason for that. But I want to tell you what, I'm going to trust God. And I know shortly after that, Miss Graham and I buried our first baby up in Illinois. And can I tell you something? I can trust God through that. But can I also tell you, four years later, I was the only boy for years. And then mom and dad adopted a boy. Reinforcements were great, but they were a little late. I was 16 when he came on the scene. But my brother Jeff was killed at home when he was 16 working on his car. I don't understand all this, but Brother Hemden, I can tell you this, revival swept through our church and our community like I'd never seen before. Little town of Tremont with 2,000 people. And I'll tell you, I mean, the town came out and God began to work. And I remember at his funeral, there were 10 that trusted Christ as their Savior. My brother's biological father got saved at his funeral. Uh, his brother came to the uh, casket afterwards and said, I, I would give my life if I could have what he had. I said, you can have it. And I got to lead his brother to Christ. And I'm telling you, God did some marvelous things. And, and then God began to work in other churches and youth departments. And, and I've preached revival for men that surrendered their life to preach at my brother's funeral. I'm saying, I don't know all that God was doing, but I know this, God doeth all things well. Amen. Oh, listen, life, dear friend, is too short to get bitter and backslidden on God. But there were not only many great days in Job's life, there were some grieving days in Job's life. Man, you go through his account here and listen, this is, this is a real situation of a real man that once lived that faced all these real heartaches. 
I'm telling you, it was amazing. You think about it. He lost his fortune. He lost his family. And he felt the assault of sickness upon his own flesh. And there were a lot of things that went on. And, you know, Job's friends came to help him. And by the way, they were the greatest help when they said nothing. And then they started talking. He said, miserable comforters are y'all. <laughs> Job was the one that really came up with that statement with friends like you. Who needs enemies? Right. <laughs> and can I tell you something? Sometimes when we see people going through hard times, the best thing we can do is minister to them in presence. We don't always have to have the answer. Sometimes we say things and we don't know what to say. I've never preached, and I've preached at many, many funerals. I've never preached a funeral and walked away and said, man, I said everything I wanted to say in the way I wanted to say it. But I know this, my heart wants to comfort people when they're hurting. Job was going through some tremendous trial in his life. There were some grieving days. But let me say this, there were many glorious days yet to come. I was at the hospital one day. One of our men was having back surgery. He had had numerous surgeries. And the surgeon came out and spoke to his wife, told how everything went, and uh, said, well, I suppose your husband probably feels like Job. He just keeps going through it and going through it. And I said, but you know, isn't it interesting how the book of Job ends? And the doctor looked at me and said, what do you mean? I said, well, have you ever read chapter 42? He said, I don't know if I have. I said, you need to go read it. It's really good. And uh, notice what it says. I'll just flip over there real quick. When we look at chapter 42, because we think about the beginning of Job's life and how exciting it is, then the battles of Job's life, but you get to the benediction of his life. Chapter 42 and verse 12 said this, so the Lord blessed the latter end of Job more than his beginning. For he had 14,000 sheep and 6,000 camel, 1,000 yoke of oxen, 1,000 she asses. He also had seven sons and three daughters. And of course, he lists the name of these uh, children, that, uh, the daughters that God gave him. But in all the land, uh, there were no women found as fair as, his, as the daughters of Job. And their father gave them inheritance among their brethren. Listen to this. After this lived Job 140 years yeah. after the trial. You know, sometimes we go through a trial and we'll spend the rest of our life whining and moaning and complaining and belly aching. He had all these years after that to rejoice at the good hand of God. Now, somebody said, well, you had, you had double everything except for children. No, wait a minute. If you had 10 in heaven and 10 on earth, that's 20. That's a pretty good deal anyway. But uh, I don't know if you'd want all 20 of them at the house. But anyway, there were many, many great days ahead for Job. But let's look at this and I'll be done. Between here and there. Job is puzzled about many of the things that are happening. And you can understand the hurt, the heartache that he's overwhelmed by. Now, Job has determined to honor God and love God. And his friends begin to speak and they begin to make accusations. And he's been accused of being a, you know, a sinner. And he's been accused of all kinds of things. And there's no doubt it's overwhelming to him what he's being accused of and being attacked. And, and on top of that, Satan has been let loose on him with everything but allowing him to die. Job is overwhelmed by it all. And he asked the question, if a man dies, shall he live again? Well, we know that Job was quite aware of the answer of that for later on. He said, I know that my Redeemer liveth. Job talked about how with these eyes I'll behold him. But he said, uh, all the days of my appointed time, he said, will I wait till my change come? Job said, surely this isn't the end of it all. 
So Job made some decisions, and I want to encourage you today to make these right decisions. Number one, he determined to stay faithful. Between here and there, he said, I'm just going to stay faithful. Go to chapter 23, if you would, for just a moment. Job chapter 23. And it's a marvelous chapter as Job begins to bear the weight and heaviness of his heart. And Job said to, in verse number 12, neither have I gone back from the commandments of his lips. I've esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. Job determined that he was going to stay faithful to the word of God. Now think about this for a moment. We have the word of God. Isn't that a blessing? You've got a Bible with you today. I've got my Bible with me, the complete word of God, Genesis to Revelation. But I'm telling you what Job had was quite a lot less than what we have now. He had, of course, what God had spoke to him, what God had given to him. Perhaps a few things have been written down. We know that Job was a aware of the flood and some of the early things concerning the origin of man. But we understand that Job said what God has given me. I want to be faithful to it. I want to stay with the word of God. The psalmist said, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. 119 verse 9 said, wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto according to thy word. Oh listen, Jesus said, heaven and earth shall pass away. My word shall abide forever. And he said, now are you clean through the word which I have spoken to you. Can I tell you today, it's not enough just to own a Bible, and that's a great thing. But we ought to open our Bibles. We ought to observe everything the Bible says, and then we ought to strive to obey it every day of our life and walk in the light of His Word. And Oh, what a difference it'll make. Saturate your life with the Word of God. He determined to stay faithful to the Word of God, but also to the will of God. In verses 10 and 11, he said, but he knoweth the way that I take. Isn't it interesting when you look over your journey of life, I didn't know when my dad went to Lincoln and I was seven and Miss Pam was six that that would be my future bride. She started proposing right away, but, <laughs> but I resisted. I'm just kidding, sort of. But anyway, but uh, man, I had no idea. When God called me to preach at the age of 13, I couldn't even drive a car. Her dad was a layman in the church there and he came to me and said, hey, listen, if God opens the door for you to preach, I'll be your driver. My brother Goad was my driver all through my teenage years. What a blessing he was to me. Now, I'll, I'll tell you a humorous story. I, I got invited when I was 15. I didn't know this. A, a, a church called my dad and said they wanted to talk to me. And dad said, he's not here right now. Can I take a message? said, yeah, we'd like for him to come and candidate to be our pastor. I was 15. And dad said, he isn't ready. That was it. He didn't even ask me. He didn't even get my input. He didn't even say, what do you think about it, son? Let's pray about it. He didn't even pray about it with me. He turned it down. I'll be honest with you. I didn't want to pastor that church, but it was kind of flattering. And I said to dad, I know you turned them down, but you know, that's kind of nice. They called me. So, well, son, think about it. It's 40 miles from the house to that church. You know, you can't ride your bike that far. I'm not driving you over there every weekend and you're dead sure not moving into the parsonage by yourself. So no, you're not taking that church. And then he said, you know, when you can consistently make your bed without being reminded, we might consider you ready to pastor a church. I'm so glad I had the dad that I had. Listen, he really knew how to keep me in my place. But anyway, listen, uh, I may not be able to pastor a church at 15. Uh, I may not be able to do some things as a young person, but can I tell you something? Young people, you can start developing a walk with God. You can start following the Word of God and find the will of God. Listen, I didn't know everything God had for me, but one day He showed me that was His will for my life. And we just celebrated 45 years of marriage. And I thank God that He put me in His will 
will concerning my mate, but I could go through a list of things. I'm just simply saying, get in the will of God and stay with it. Job said, he knoweth the way that I take. When he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. What an amazing statement. My foot hath held his steps. His ways have I kept and not declined. He, de he determined that he was going to be faithful. But then notice something else. He decided to seek God's face. Job didn't understand everything that was going on and his friend sure didn't have the answer. You know, it's amazing how when we get in a need, if we're not careful, all we look for is human reasoning. What do you think? And what do you think? And how do you feel about it? What do you think I should do? And I'm not against good counsel. I think we can get wise counsel and good counsel. But can I tell you something? We need to realize that God uh, can help us and we need to get on our face before God. Listen, I'm glad we can pray one for another and we ought to pray one for another. And I encourage us to pray one for another. But oh, child of God, rejoice in the fact that if you're saved this morning, that you have direct access to God. We Baptists believe because it's biblical in the priesthood of the believer that you can personally go to God. You don't have to go through another man. You can come boldly to the throne of grace if you're his child. You can have fellowship with him because of Christ and what he did at Calvary. We have access to the throne of God. We've been accepted in his beloved. What a privilege it is to pray. Be in prayer. Job cried out to God. Now some of Job's cries were complaints. <laughs> so were some of mine. I like some of them short prayers in the Bible, like, help, Lord. Save, Lord. But some of them are complaints. There's times when I pray, I don't even really know how to begin. Burdens come and battles we face. But Job said, I'm going to go to God in prayer. But not only did he decide to seek God's face, but then as he prayed, Job determined to be pliable. Look at verse 16. Job said this in chapter 23, For God maketh my heart soft, and the Almighty troubleth me. Job said, I want Him to mold me. I want Him to shape me. I want Him to conform me. Job said He's making my heart soft. You know, sometimes we go through the trials of life and we decide... We're going to get mad at God and get bitter about what God's done and get, you know, and let all that kind of stuff happen. Can I tell you something? Life is too short to get eat up in bitterness. My dad preached in a meeting years ago up in northern Illinois. And he said during the message, he preached a little bit on bitterness. And a lady in the church, unbeknownst to him, had been sitting there eating up with bitterness. In fact, she was getting ready to get out of church. And she said, God got a hold of her heart. And she said, your dad made a statement. You go ahead and get bitter and consume yourself with that. But you're not thinking about your children. You're not thinking about your grandchildren. And the day will come. That bitterness will consume your family and perhaps destroy their lives. Years later, I was preaching in that same church. She said, you don't know me. But she said, your dad preached a message here years ago and dealt with bitterness. And she said, I got right with God. And she said, Brother Graham, I'm not bragging. But every one of my children are in full-time Christian service. Grandchildren already being called into the ministry. My family saved and serving God. And she said, I'm not bragging on me, but I'm so glad your dad stopped by and said, don't, don't get bitter. Life is too short. Listen, friend, we need to realize Job said, I want my heart to be pliable. Lord, shape me, mold me, conform me into that image. You want me to be more like the master would I ever be. Oh, to be like thee. Then notice... He displayed a heart of forgiveness. 
Well, sometimes <laughs> that's not easy. Someone said, sticks and stones may break your bones, but words will never hurt you. Well, whoever said that didn't hear some of the words I've heard. Sometimes words hurt. Sometimes they can cut deep. Job had heard a lot of words from his friends as they knew, boy, they had the answer. These were the most brilliant men you ever met. They knew the answer to everything. I've pastored some like that. Being kind. But Job had a heart of forgiveness. Chapter 42, we were there a while ago. The, verse 10 said this, And the Lord turned the captivity of Job when he prayed for his friends. And also the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. Did you get that? The Lord turned the captivity of Job when he prayed for his friends. God was saying, Job, you got to deal with this before you and I can deal with this. And Job prayed for his friends. Someone said, well, Brother Graham, you don't know what they did to me, and you just don't understand, and I can't forgive them. You'll never realize what they did to me. Well, I, I want to ask you, did they nail you to the cross and put the entire sins of the world upon you? I mean, did the Heavenly Father have to turn His back while you cried out, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Did you take all the sins and sorrows of mankind upon you? If God, for Christ's sake, can forgive us, why can't we forgive one another? I want to tell you something. He was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquity. And we recognize what Christ Jesus paid for us. And yet, even in the midst of all of his suffering, he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. I'm not saying it's always easy, but it is necessary. If we're going to move forward with God, we need a forgiving spirit. Now, let me say, lastly, favorite point of every Baptist sermon he was not only displayed a heart of forgiveness, but he was delighted about the future. It's interesting what Job said in chapter 14 and verse 14. He said, till my change come. I love that phrase. Job said, I don't understand what's going on, but this sure isn't the end of it all. I was in a church one time we were passing through and you know, even if we're traveling and it happens to be a, a Wednesday night or Sunday night, we try to stop and go to the house of God somewhere and find a church. Sometimes you have to search hard, but we're in a little town in Missouri and stop and go to church and, you know, try to be a part of the service. And we're sitting there and the preachers, and we heard good lesson in Sunday school, but he started teaching and preaching. And he said, and who knows, maybe we're actually in the kingdom right now. And I went, you got to be kidding if this is the kingdom of God, I'm highly disappointed. If this is my glorified body, I want a refund. It's got to get better than this. Somebody say amen. And I'm telling you, the reality is there's a better day coming. Job said, I'll wait till my change come. And Job was recognizing the fact that, uh, that uh, burdens are lifted in this life at Calvary. And thank God for that. But there's a better day coming for those that are his children. Believers, I want to tell you today, listen, no matter how heavy, no matter how hard, uh, no matter what you might face in life, if you're a child of the King, you're going to live forever in the presence of God. I don't know everything that heaven's going to be. I can't even describe all that heaven is, but I know it's a real place where we're going to spend eternity and it is for everyone that knows the Lord Jesus Christ. Heaven awaits the children of God. Let me say this. Heaven is a lovely place. See, Brother Graham, how do you know? Well, there's enough hints in the Bible. We don't know everything about heaven, but boy, there's enough in that book that sure gets me excited. 
that there's a land that is fairer than day. By faith, we can see it afar. Well, I'll tell you what, we've got a number of loved ones on the other side. Man, I'm telling you, I get to thinking about that and get excited. Listen, I'm glad to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. I rejoice in the fact there is a place called heaven. Yes, my heart grieves when we have to face the death of a loved one, but I know it's not the end. I'll see them again one of these days. What a great reunion that's going to be when we all get together in heaven. And oh, listen, heaven is a lovely place. Somebody said, well, just think of every good thing that you can. That's heaven. Oh, no, no, no. Heaven's so far beyond what we can imagine. It's far beyond what we could describe. Oh, what an exciting place that we'll be in for the children of God. But heaven is a lifting place. So what do you mean, Brother Graham? Well, uh, all of the uh, attacks of the tempter will be over. No, about you, but I get tired of the devil. And all that this flesh and this world do to attack us as we try to serve the Lord. But there's coming a day when we won't have to deal with Him anymore. Oh, I'm telling you, there'll be a time when the tears will be wiped away. What a time that will be. I'll tell you, uh, when uh, God shall wipe away all tears from our eyes. What what an exciting time. Listen, and, and all the trials will be over. There is a lifting when we think about going to heaven. Oh, listen, what a wonderful day that's going to be. But can I tell you, heaven is a lasting place. It's forever. I don't understand that. We, we run on time down here. I mean, you're praying. I hope this guy understands we get out at a certain time. I know better. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, I'm worried about the time. We've got to be at work at a certain time. We've got to get out of bed at a certain time. We've got to do this at a certain time. And we run on time. And boy, it's hard to imagine a place where time will be no more. Where we're going to worship Him forever and ever. No doubt a glorified body can handle what this finite body cannot. But oh, what a day that's going to be when we shall see Him, when these eyes shall behold Him. Oh, what a joy it's going to be when we get to be in His presence, not just for a moment, but for all eternity. And you can only do that if you're His child. Because heaven is a limited place. Now don't get nervous. I'm not talking about a limited atonement. Whosoever will may come. Jesus said, him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. The Bible said God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Jesus came to die for the sins of the whole world. There's not a man, not a woman, not a boy, not a girl that Jesus did not die on the cross for you. If you're here today and you're not saved, I want you to know Jesus loves you. He loved you so much, though he died for the sins of the whole world. If you'd have been the only one that said yes, he'd have still died for you. That's how much God loves you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Understand this, God loves you and he wants to save you. And if you're not saved, uh, when we give the invitation, you come and someone would gladly open the word of God and show you how you can know beyond a shadow of a doubt that heaven's your home. When I say it's limited, I don't mean that it's excluding certain people uh, that, uh, uh, you know, come from different uh, areas or countries or any kind of thing like that. When I'm talking about it being limited, it's only those who have received Christ as their Savior who get to be there forever. And you say, well, Brother Graham, I'm going to get saved one of these days. It is a whosoever will may come, but it's not a whensoever. Boast not thyself of tomorrow. Thou knowest not what a day shall bring forth. Listen, I wouldn't put it off. If you're not saved, I wouldn't even wait till the night. I'd get it taken care of this morning. 
But oh, child of God, if you're saved, you're going to a land. As I said, that's fairer than day. The songwriter said, and by faith we can see it afar. Heaven is a wonderful place. And you that are saved, the redeemed of God, will get to spend eternity there. And oh, what a moment when we see Him. What a time it's going to be when we bow in His presence. Someone said, Brother Graham, but what are we going to do for all eternity? Kind of what we did this morning when service started. That good singing, brother. Man, I'm telling you, if that didn't set your soul on fire, something's wrong. Man, I'm telling you, I love to worship the Lord, don't you? But sometimes my body gets feeble. I get tired. But oh, there's coming a day. When we'll never tire of praising Him and loving Him and rejoicing in Him, enjoying eternity forever. Job said, I'll wait till my change comes. Amen. With that in mind, no matter what's going on, Job said, I don't understand it all, but I know one of these days I'll be with Him. And oh, what a moment. What a difference it's going to be when you know Him for all eternity, you'll get to be with Him. If you're not saved today, I want to plead with you to give your heart to Christ. If you're saved and maybe battling with some bitterness, you say, preacher, I've gone through so much. I remember when my brother died, someone said to my dad, you must feel like Job. Dad said, oh no. Job lost 10 children in a day. I've only had two of my children pass away. I can't even imagine what Job was facing. But he said, I can tell you this, God's grace is sufficient. Can I tell you, God's grace is sufficient for whatever you're facing today. It may be heavy. It may be hard. It may even hurt. But can I tell you, there's not a friend like the lowly Jesus. And I'll tell you, as we sang a while ago, I found that He's a faithful friend. If you don't know Him today, give Him your heart. And if you're saved, listen, get on the firing line and serve Him till He comes. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Every head's bowed. Every eye's closed. No one's looking around. In just a moment, we'll have a song of invitation. Workers will be at the front. But I want to ask you a couple questions. How many say, Brother Graham, if I died today, if this were my last day on planet Earth, I don't have any doubt about it. I'll be in heaven. Would you lift your hand and say, I know that I'm saved beyond a shadow of a doubt. Thank you, thank you. God bless you. Now look, I wouldn't embarrass you for anything in this world. I'm not going to come to you. I'm not going to point at you. But I want to ask you this morning, if you say, Brother Graham, if I died today, I don't know that I'd be in heaven, but I'd like to know it. And I wish you'd pray for me. Would you just slip your hand up and say, Preacher, that's my need this morning. Pray for me. Is there one like that? Hold it up long enough to let me see it. Is there one anywhere? All right. In the balcony, maybe anyone to say, Preacher, that's the need of my heart. And I want to ask you, how many would say, Preacher, I know I'm saved. God spoke to my heart today, and I don't have to know what it's about, but I'd sure like to include you in this prayer. You just slip your hand up and say, Preacher, pray for me. There's a need, and here's one. And Here's another. And is there others? Preacher, just pray for me today. There's some upstairs. If I can pray for you today, I want to. Is there anyone else? Preacher, remember me. Thank you. Is there anyone else? Preacher, remember me. There's a need or a burden or something God dealt with my heart about. Pray for me. Anyone else? And then let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, I'm praying your Holy Spirit would take complete control of the invitation that you would have your will and way in every heart and life. Lord, may this be the day of salvation if someone is here and they're not saved. And may this be a day of refreshing and even reviving for some maybe that are dealing with some things in their life that perhaps is causing them to drift. Or maybe, Lord, those that are on the firing line and yet carrying burdens, Lord, that this might just be a, a strengthening day for them. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.